0: We're in part three on a series, and I know I really enjoyed Pastor Ralph two weeks ago. I really enjoyed Pastor James. Last week, we're talking about navigating the end times. And I tell you, I don't know if you found this in your life. I've certainly found this in my life that through this last year or so, as challenging times have rumbled around us people begin to ask these questions again that talk about last days and end times and, and, and prophetic things like that. Whether people are inside the church or outside the church, there there becomes a fresh interest in those things. And along with that, there's, you know, there's a lot of pitfalls that people can get into along the way. So the the purpose of this series isn't to explore every little detail of what the Bible says about the last days and the end times. We could, we could do a, a year-long course and, and not exhaust the subject. What we really want to do is look at some of the big picture perspectives that God gives us and remind ourselves why God gives us what he does because those things are going to help us truly navigate correctly during these times. Can you say amen? So, Pastor James spoke last week about the blessed hope, which is the the rapture, the return of the Lord. Uh, I'm going to be moving on into uh, talking about the great tribulation, uh, but really just addressing what the Bible calls the day of the Lord, because it it leans into, it includes what Pastor James started. I'll be bringing it kind of like the other half of it today. So, you, you know, when it comes to predicting the future, we as human beings can fall short. Can you say amen? amen? We can miss it. And even those who would say, thus saith the Lord, can miss it. Come on, can we talk for a minute? We've had a whole lot of thus saith the Lord over this last year. That's not panned out. And I just want to encourage you, church, that doesn't mean that prophecy is not genuine. It doesn't mean Holy Spirit doesn't live inside us. It doesn't mean that there's not gifts of the Spirit that God is desiring to work out through his church. It doesn't mean that God's not talking. It doesn't mean any of that. In fact, what we're going to look at today is there were times where the mark got missed big time uh, when, when the Bible was being constructed, when the new church was, you, you know, kind of getting grounded. And, and we're going to be able to—we we want to, as we— As we go through this time, we want to learn the right lessons, and we we want to have wisdom from heaven. But, you know, I just thought it was interesting. I thought, you know, this idea of people can get it wrong, boy, can we. Uh, Just a couple of examples through history. So let's go back to 1800, 1800 on the dot. This is uh, Dr. Larder uh, University College, uh, uh, London. And he was talking about rail travel, traveling on, you know, train tracks, right? And he said, rail travel at high speed is not possible because passengers will be unable to breathe because they'll be going so fast and they'll die of asphyxia. You know, to think about that at that time, oh, we could never get to, you know, you we'll just go so fast that we'll just, you know, it'll stop us from breathing. In 1911, the French military strategist, Marshal Falk, said airplanes are interesting toys, but they have no military value. Kind of got that one wrong, huh? He was the head of the entire French forces in World War I. 1927, Harry Warner of Warner Brothers, and, and I had to um, I had to PG his quote here. He said, "Who the heck wants to hear actors talk anyway?" <laughs> Frank Frank is still on board with that, huh? Yeah, He probably had some wisdom in the statement But apparently a lot of people wanted to hear actors talk 1946, Daryl Zuck He's the head of, it was the head of 20th Century Fox He said, television won't be able to hold on to any market It captures after its first six months People will soon grow tired of staring at a plywood box every night Kind of missed that one, didn't he? 1977, there was no reason for any individual to have a computer in his home. That was Ken Olson, chairman and founder of Digital Equipment Corporation. And here we are, we have them in our pockets in our purses and everywhere, right? In 1995, uh, Clifford Stoll of Newsweek said, the truth is no online database will replace your daily newspaper. No future to stuff, you know, being online. And, and and I just you know looked for, for, for fun some of the things that were said in previous years about when we get to 2020 2021, you said that the life expectancy would be over hundred, you know well it, it's gone up thankfully but it's not quite there. Uh, they said books would be dead. You know, and man, as long as I'm alive, books are not going to be dead. Is there anybody else in the room that says, man, I love me a good book, right? And uh, they said that there would be invisible computers. I'm not sure how that works. And I guess if they're here, would we know if, if they're invisible? And they said, they said we would be vacationing on the moon, so I know, uh, I know we're looking at going back to the moon, going to Mars and some of these other things. But uh, anyway, man, as human beings, we can miss it. But you know, Daniel in 2.28 talks about God. And he says, there is a God in heaven that reveals mysteries. There's a lot that's mysterious. There's a lot that's unknown. There's a lot that's so unpredictable as we look out to the future. But God knows the end from the beginning. And God is very specific on the things that he wants us to know. And then the things that we don't need to know every specific detail on, God hasn't revealed. And we need to trust that God has let us know what we need to know. And everything else is all going to work out in the process. You know, the Bible contains 1,817 individual predictions. Concerning 737 different subjects That turns out to be about 27% of the verses found in the Bible And you know everything that has been prophesied uh, in the Bible That we have seen that was either to come to pass or wasn't you know, that that we have seen from history, these things have come to pass. And now these things that we see that relate to future, we know we have good ground to stand on to take God at his word and to trust his word. Can you say amen? So, so let's just uh, recap a couple of things here when we talk about navigating the end times, and then we're going to look very specifically here at the day of the Lord. So, a couple of facts. I'm going to look at five quick things regarding our navigating the end times. Number one, Jesus said he's preparing a place for us and that he's coming back for us. In John 14, 1 and 2, he said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. So, hey, can I say it again? Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, Jesus says, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And so we know what the Lord says in Scripture. He says, don't be troubled. When everything is ready, I'm coming back for you. That's the Lord's encouragement for us. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when everything is lined up and ready, that's when I'm coming back. A second thought, second thing uh, that that Jesus lets us know, he predicted what the world would be like when he returned. And again, uh, I'm going to be looking now at Matthew 24 for a couple of these facts. And Matthew 24 is chock full of a lot of stuff about these end times and these last days. But in verses 32 to 33, he says, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it's near right at the door. So again, Pastor Ralph, uh, again, he, he made it clear he wasn't exhaustive in his list, but he looked at a couple of the key things that are sign of the times that let us know, man, we, we are, we're moving along in God's timetable. And that's what Jesus said, pay attention to. But a third fact is he cautioned us versus setting dates. He said, now you're going to know the times and the seasons, but you're not going to know the day and the hour. Verse 36, but about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And then we've had people over the years come along and say, well, I know the Bible says that you won't know, but here's how the Bible didn't mean what it says. How many know to start running when somebody says the Bible doesn't mean what the Bible actually says in its context, right? That, that, that's like sure sign, run in the other direction. And we've all had it. We've heard them on the radio. Come on, how many have come out at the shop right and there's a little note on your car? By the way, October, things are all over. You, you know, there's, just, just ever since, people have been trying to figure out the, 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 the exact day and hour. And so, so, you see, we're talking about navigating the end times, so let's not get all caught up in that stuff. You know, I said something. I had something come out of my mouth in, in, in first service that wasn't in my notes, but I thought, Lord, that's really something you, wanna, you want us to get a hold of. We don't want to make the circumstances interpret the Word. We want the Word to interpret the circumstances, <laughs> right? Because in, until hindsight becomes twenty twenty. God is telling us we're not going to have it all figured out. I mean, if there's one thing that we watch in pattern over the generations, we're not going to have it all figured out until we look back and say, oh, yeah, there it is, clear as can be. But in the moment, it's not going to be that way. A fourth fact, Jesus, uh, his return will be a surprise for most. Verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. And again, in the days of Noah, when the, the, the flood was coming, the rains were coming, uh, they, they were just ignoring all of, that, all of that caution, all of that warning, all, all that was uh, forecast to come. And then number five, Jesus suggested <laughs> that we be prepared. How many know when Jesus suggests something, it's a good idea for us to go ahead and do what he suggests, Right? Verse 42, he said, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So there's a couple of things that set the context, lean into our first couple of weeks. Let's now look at this this idea of the day of the Lord. And we're going to look in the book of... 2 Thessalonians. And as a matter of fact, if you have a Bible with you, if you have your Bible app, if you want to go to chapter 2, we're going to be camping out at verses 1 through 7 through the remainder of our time. It'll be up on the screen periodically, but if you want to have your Bible open, that's where we're going to really camp out for the rest of our, you know, remaining couple of minutes. So so the, the region is Thessalonica, and we have two letters written to the folks there, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. And some of the major themes that Paul addresses, and of course we know this is Holy Spirit through Paul, is addressing things that deal with the end times. And the church at Thessalonica found itself, much as we are today uh, in our modern church, they were in a state of confusion over the return of Jesus. And so Paul begins dealing with a doctrinal error that got in to the church concerning the return of Christ. So let's go ahead. Let's take a look at these verses and then we'll unpack it a little bit. So 2 Thessalonians 2, chapter 2, yep, verses 1 through 7. So it says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, do not become Easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man of doom to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. Verse 7, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back Will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. Wow! So some stuff kind of clear, some stuff a little little mysterious in there. So let's unpack this. There's misinformation that began to circulate among the church here, uh, you you know, in in its um, you know just early beginnings. To some, it seemed that the day of the Lord had already come. And Paul writes what we just read to clarify the matter. So, so let, let's bring some things to light. In verse 1, first of all, he says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him. Now, the, the, the word uh, where it talks about the coming of the Lord, the word in the Greek there, because our New Testament is in Greek, um, uh, is being spoken of in the context of what Pastor James spoke about last week. The blessed hope are being gathered up to be with him. But biblically, the day of the Lord has multiple components to it. Let me say it this way. The World Series, you know, if if it goes to its full length, right? We have seven games in the World Series. So if you go to game one and you say, I went to game one of the World Series. Well, you did go to the World Series, but you didn't go to all of it. Right? If somebody else says, well, I went to game three, cool, you went to game three, but you weren't at game one or two, and there also was a four, five, six, and seven, right? So when we talk about the day of the Lord, there, there are multiple components to this. There is the gathering of the church up in the air, but when we go back to Matthew 24, where Jesus is talking about the end times, he says something interesting. He talks about when the Son of Man uh, he comes down on the Mount of Olives, That." coming of the Lord is this same word. So, so what we're understanding here, it, it's conveying the same event. So there's multiple capacities. There is the, the catching up of the church in the air with him, and then there's the Lord's return after the great tribulation. You know, like I said, we're, we're looking at big strokes here. There's all kinds of chapter and verse and detail that we can look at. But here's what Paul is trying to bring to light. He's, saying, he, he's letting them know, you're thinking something about life right now that isn't true. And he's saying, hey guys, I already told you this. I, I, l- l- let me clarify these things. So in verse 2, he says, Don't become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, again, whether by prophecy, by word of mouth, or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. So they're unsettled. They're, they're anxious. They're alarmed because they are thinking they're in the great tribulation. And they were told that the persecution they were going through was the great tribulation. Now, they're aware in the Old Testament, this term, day of the Lord, was used quite a bit. And, and, uh, The day of the Lord, that specific phrase occurs 20 times. The words last days, that occurs 14 times. And there's a lot when the prophets will say in that day, talking about the last days, that occurs over a hundred times. So just like all of us, they're looking to connect the dots. They're looking to get it all figured out and say, well, so what we're going through now, what meaneth this? You know, and now they're starting to hear, this is it, this is the great tribulation, you're in it. And they're saying, whoa, 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 time out. Paul had a first letter and it was pretty encouraging. He said that God's wrath was not for God's people. He said that in the coming of the Lord, we would be caught up with him that we're not children of the wrath, we're children of the light. By the way, everybody has an opportunity until the Lord comes to become a child of the light, to be a part of this good promise that, that Paul is straightening out in, in this error that's going on in the church. Can you say amen? Are you tracking so far? All right, so the day of the Lord refers to a period of unprecedented judgments, judgments poured out upon the earth successively. And we see the details in the book of Revelation. These unprecedented judgments will be poured out over a period of seven years. Uh, However, even during that terrible time, God will receive anyone who turns to him in faith. Anybody who doesn't know the Lord during that time can call on the name of the Lord and they'll be saved but the Bible tragically also says that most of mankind will curse the God of heaven rather than turn to him in faith. Pretty heavy-duty stuff. Back to verse 2, the error uh, came through three, three different channels. We said prophecy, word of mouth, and false teaching. So again, prophecy, that's an utterance in public worship that was being told that it was, that, that it was Holy Spirit that was delivering that. And it was just wrong. And again, when I see this church, I am reminded, and I feel that I have to, that that it's good for us to remind ourselves that that I have to cover this. We will hear people who will say things in the name of the Lord that aren't true. And what we have to do is be discerning and, 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 again, learn the right lesson. It doesn't mean that prophecy is not for today. It doesn't mean that God's Holy Spirit is not active and working in the church. But throughout the generations of the church, there have been those that have been Speaking authentically as Holy Spirit uh, speaks. They are the delivery mechanism. Holy Spirit speaks through them. And then there are those for a variety of reasons. They missed the mark. They had too much pepperoni the night before. Uh, Or or, or worse, they're they're wolves in sheep's clothing, you know, and, and they have malicious intent. But, church, we can always discern that stuff because we go back to what does the word say? As we navigate the end times, we're going to see things. Come on, have you gotten things about, here's why this public figure is this, this, and this in the Bible? Here's why this nation is this, this, this in the Bible? And you could look at it and say, maybe, maybe not. What do we want to do as we navigate? We don't want to build our lives on that. We don't want to build our doctrine on that. The Lord tells us the things that you need to anchor your life on, I'm going to make crystal clear. And everything else there, you just let it, let it work out in your life to see. If God confirms it, then hey, cool. But if not, we don't want those things driving us because God said that's not the way it's supposed to work. Amen? Does that encourage your heart? How do we navigate the mess? How do we navigate the confusion? Isn't it disconcerting when somebody stands up and says, thus saith the Lord? And you say, how do I look at this? It just it not it, it it And it didn't. And what do we do with that? Jesus is still Lord, and the Holy Spirit is still speaking, and, and we are still God's people, and, and we are still to keep navigating through in these times. The second thing he mentions here uh, is word of mouth. And oh, God, have mercy. Amen. Word of mouth. There is no more powerful mechanism of information to be spread, whether of heaven or hell. And in this case, it was hell because it was a, a, a conflict with uh, the revealed word of God, the the, the, the rhema of God. And then uh, there was a letter that was being shared, a false letter that Paul didn't write that was being shared as if it was from Paul. So you can see why the Thessalonians are a little bit confused. And, and, and Paul is straightening this out. So uh, they had experienced suffering. They had experienced enough tribulation to where they were saying, man, you, you know, is this it? And then they heard all this stuff that was uh, allegedly on Paul's behalf and, and they got confused. So they were in need of an authentic word to reassure them that yes, they did originally have clarity from Paul's first epistle. So he says this in verse 3, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until, and now he gives three things that are going to be clearly out there when this great tribulation, when, when the, you know, full unfolding of the day of the Lord comes. And this is laid out in verses 3 through 7. And I'm going to just rattle through these kind of quick. Uh, The first is the apostasy or the rebellion, depending on which translation we're looking at. I know we saw rebellion in our translation today. Apostasy, it indicates a departure, an abandoning of a position that was once held. But the key thing about apostasy uh, is it just doesn't mean disbelieving. It's an aggressive an angry revolt. There, there's, there's a revolt, there's an anger. So, hey church, talking about sobering times, you know, uh, the apostasy is of millions betraying scripture, becoming an amoral church, that is a church without morals, teaching a doctrine formulated to appease society's expectations, telling man what he wants to hear. When when he talks about the apostasy here, I I am not an English guy. I'm not a grammar guy uh, over the years. But in in, in the studying here, there's a a definite article that's used. So it's not talking about just any old apostasy. Paul is saying there's going to be the apostasy. Not any old rebellion, but the rebellion. There is going to be a rebellion of millions. And man, these, those things that I just described, are they not scary things that are beating against the church in the day and the hour that we live in? Paul talked about this in 1st and 2nd Timothy. Uh, I don't have this up on the screen, but this is 2nd Timothy 3, 3 and 4. Tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Right, so what is the antidote for that? How do we navigate the end times? We are anchored in the word of God. You know, God has just made so clear. And God says within his word, as we interpret scripture and principle, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. God's word in context is is going to clarify every must-have, must-know that we're going to need to navigate these times. Second thing, and I want to move quickly here, the man of lawlessness now, this is talking about uh, the Antichrist. And, and it, it says n- this revelation is not only going to be who he is, but being revealed for what he is. Uh, he is a pseudo-Christ, hostile to the Savior. He will be a real human being, not a principle or a system or a succession of individuals. Church, think about it. Back in World War II, you know, you know what we said earlier? Don't let circumstances interpret the word. Let the word interpret the circumstances. I, I don't know how I would have lived during the World War II era and not thought Hitler is the Antichrist. This is it. Sell it all. Stand on the street corner with the sign. Like this is, you know, look because it is now. I, I, I just can't imagine how as a, as a Bible believer in that time, they weren't just so convinced. There are, there are, types and shadows that reinforce, that happened through the ages. But the Antichrist of the last day is a very specific individual, Satan's uh, individual who will usher in the great tribulation by his presence. The way this is going to unfold in Scripture during the seven years of tribulation, we're not on the earth going to be able to get the job done. It's going to be a mess. And this brilliant, charismatic leader with military background and experience is going to be able to get done peace where no one else is going to be able to get peace done, particularly in the Middle East, particularly with Israel. And and the world's going to go, wow, look at this guy. Like, let's just, this guy is really something. But then about halfway through, he's gonna break the treaty with Israel and uh, we read this here in Thessalonians, he is gonna set himself up and say that he wants to be worshiped. He's gonna set himself up uh, to be worshiped as God and that's where uh, the great tribulation is gonna unfold. Now the third thing that's mentioned here, the one who now holds it back. Holds what back? The coming to uh, spotlight Of this Antichrist figure, the one who holds it back when they are taken away. So who's the one who's going to be taken away that's going to have this, you know, the rebellion paves the way, the apostasy paves the way, and then there is this restraining one who's going to be pulled away. Well, throughout the ages, people have tried to come up with all kinds of different interpretations of what this is, but if we look at what Paul just got done saying, and when we look at what Paul is reminding them of back in the first letter, he tells them this great tribulation, this is gonna be God's wrath upon the earth. You're not children of wrath. You're not gonna be there. You're gonna be caught up in the air. What is that restraint? It's Holy Spirit in the hearts of God's true people that are gonna be carried up in the air. And we're, we're told that we're salt and light. And what happens when the salt and light is gone? Right, so God's spirit is, is omnipresent. It's not that he's, you know, literally not going to be present, but that presence of salt and light, of conviction in the life of the believer, that's going to be gone. So what he's letting them know in all of that, but hey, as all of this stuff comes, what, what is this in its context? Paul is saying, these things all need to happen and you living with your eyes on the Lord, walking out with, with God, you're not gonna be here when that gets to the worst of the worst. I know there's some other doctrinal persuasions out there where, where people will say other things. Uh, the, uh, the position of our church, and, and and I think the position of scripture is really, really clear I just say this, I'm out on the first bus that's going. You know, is it pre-trib? Is it in the middle of the trib? I do know this, God says that that we are his kids and we're not gonna suffer wrath. And when we're out and his mercy is so strong that even during that horrible time, those that will call on him, they will be saved and they'll get to spend eternity with him, right? Isn't that good news, right? Praise God. Praise God. So, hey, we're just about out of time here. But remember, Paul's whole whole purpose in sharing all this stuff is, so when we see the stuff going on around us, come on, isn't it easy during the good times to say, I can be of good cheer. Christ has overcome the world. (laughs) I am more than a conqueror. (laughs) But then when the storm hits and the crucible is cooking and the squeeze is going on, Man, it can be easy to turn around and say, what meaneth this? What's going on? What's upright? What's north? What's south? What's right? What's wrong? How do we navigate the end times? Man, the Bible says about all this stuff coming down the road, our world sensationalizes this to stoke fear. The whole agenda of God in this is fear not. There is absolutely nothing to fear for the children of the light. And that's us, children who have said yes to Christ as Lord and Savior. So we're going to wrap up with this, and then we'll pray. First Thessalonians now, chapter 5. Let's start in verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Verse six, so then let us not be like others who are asleep. What is our takeaway? How do we navigate the end times? We live wide awake. But let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. And the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us, here it is again, church, God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, that means alive at the time or already passed on, we may live together with him. Verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Church, you know who's gonna have a tough time during tribulation times? The, the person who is living only for the things of this world. The person who has the idol of self and selfishness, that's the person that's gonna have a tough time through all this stuff. But if we live in a way where we understand, yes, I live in this world and, 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 and I, I walk through this world with purpose and in relationships and in vocation and all these things, primary first and foremost i recognize that i'm living for a someday i'm living for an eternity and and jesus said keep an eye on heaven because we are in the days we won't know the day we won't know the hour but if we live sober and awake it's not going to sneak up on us we're not going to say oh i wish i would have been ready oh i wish i would have paid attention but the person who is saying man as a christian All I've got my eyes on is, is the love of this world, man, going to be in for a rude awakening? Can you say amen? That's the sobering takeaway here today. So what's an appropriate response? Lord, I want to be in this world, but not of it. Lord, I want to love people. I want to love what matters to you. And and I don't want to be so enthralled where I am in love with this world. I want to live in light of your big picture. Can you say amen? Father, that's our heart today. Lord, as we wind service up here today, Lord, we truly pray, Lord, sanctify us. Lord, we know that tribulation for your people is, is not wrath for us to suffer under. That tribulation that we experience is to refine us so that we will live on mission, on purpose, with your vision uh, as our vision. So God, work in our lives here today to apply what we need to hear, how we need to respond. And Lord, in it, we give you all the glory. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray, amen.